1: Visit RobertHalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports.
2: What a play! Can you believe
1: this? I no, I can no It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to
2: the races, and he stays on his feet. Let's just going to go the
1: distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath.
0: Is going on with Bijan Robinson? Is Tony Pollard worse than James Conner rest of season? Is the tight end position like super deep, really great? Everyone is a great tight end all of a sudden? I'm not buying it, people. And did you know that as we sit here right now, on November 6th, the Buffalo Bills are out of the playoffs. It is beyond the box score. I'm Adam Azer with Jacob Gibbs and Dan Schneier. We have advanced stats from simple people. Good eve- afternoon. It's afternoon. Good afternoon, Jacob and Dan. What's up?
1: How's it going? I'm having a good day. How about you guys?
0: Good. I'm doing well. Jacob, how about you?
1: Excited to be
2: here.
0: And you know what? Based on what I ate yes. this, this morning, I have an Italian it? an Italian food tip for fake Italian Dan Schneier. Italian food
1: tip for well, you. No, it's not. Can we clear this up? It's not fake Italian. It's wannabe Italian. Whatever it is.
0: A wannabe Italian <laughs> Dan Schneier. I have an Italian food tip for you and for everyone else. Um, uh, real quick, before we get into the games... I'm going to give you the playoff matchup, so you pick a winner. We'll start in the NFC. Eagles with a bye. Lions hosting the Vikings. Lions.
1: Lions. The
0: slaughter. 49ers hosting the Cowboys.
1: <laughs> 49ers. They always crush the Cowboys. <laughs> it's another yeah.
0: slaughter. Saints hosting the Seahawks.
1: Ugh. Yeah. Saints. Saints. I like the, Saints. the home field advantage, which I don't even like. But Taysom Hill get like two touchdowns in that game.
0: All right. The 4-5 matchup. The Dolphins hosting the Steelers.
2: Dolphins Dude, are in the playoffs. Wow! Yeah. Dolphins, yeah.
0: The Jaguars hosting the Browns. That is interesting. Oh
2: yeah. Oh, I go Jags. I go Browns.
0: Yeah, I go Browns. Nah, well, it depends. Uh, if current current Browns with Deshaun Watson, we're going to talk about him. We all watched Deshaun Watson, or Dan and I did. Uh, he looked horrible, so I'll take the Jags. And then your two seven matchup. I
1: needed an upset.
0: The poor Ravens get the cincinnati bengals right now oh, it won't stay wow. that way you'd have to figure but ravens hosting the bengals wow i'm still going ravens at home yeah but wow i'm going bengals bengals are the best team in the nfl i am whoa. picking them to win the super bowl whoa yes. i like it.
1: i like the boldness of that
0: i mean look they're they're what he- they're healthy they're great they have the best combination good of offense and defense. They don't have the best offense. They don't have the best defense. They have the best combination of offense and defense. Yeah, gonna, I don't
2: know, man. <laughs> I'd have to the- give it to the Chiefs, the team with the best quarterback in the NFL and maybe the best defense in the NFL. I, I
0: mean, they- like, he's okay, perhaps, but yeah. All right, all right. Let's get to the game. The ba- the uh, Bengals beat the Bills 24-18 and route to the Super Bowl. They had the ball for 36 minutes and 38 seconds. So the Bills just did not have a lot of possession here. Less than 24 minutes of possession. Gabe Davis with no catches on two targets. Jacob, what are your major takeaways fantasy-wise from this game?
2: Yeah, the Gabe Davis usage was frustrating. Uh, Last week, they used him in line a lot more. A lot of short yardage stuff went to him as the first read a lot. Um, And so I thought that might be a role change with Dawson Knox out of the picture and uh, Kincaid, less of a slot guy um, using those kind of short targets, but same back, right back to the same old um, in week nine, 10 yard average route depth, 18 yard average depth of target, no catches. Um, so that, that's really frustrating to see because it was a good matchup for him. Also, frustrating on the Bills side, James Cook had an amazing matchup. And it's like, you know, Leonard Fournette is looming. This is like the spot, you know, if we're ever going to get it from James Cook. Um, and it's just the same thing, like not nearly enough usage for him to be fantasy relevant. So I think we're pretty much done with him, which is tough because running back is, we're running out of options.
0: Uh, I don't know if I'm done with him. I just think that this game script, they're not going to be getting blown out. What were they down? 24 to 10 or something like that. So, um, they couldn't run the ball. And like I said, the time of possession was really low. He had four catches, which was nice. I think he's exited the must start territory. Unfortunately. The touchdowns are hard to come by. The catches are unpredictable, but they just didn't run the ball really at all. I mean, Fournette did. I don't think he was. He wasn't. He was active. Did he? Play, did he even get a snap?
2: No, that's that's my thing with Cook though. Is the route participation just isn't there? Like the yeah. opportunity to catch passes just isn't there, and that's where we thought his fantasy value was going to be, especially the upside case for Cook was like through the receiving um, and. Like I think a game script like this should set up well for him, but no, they prefer Latavius Murray on those blocking situations. Yeah.
0: They got down to the three-yard line or inside the three. uh, Josh Allen had the touchdown run in the first quarter, and Latavius Murray was in. I I wanted to say this, Dan, about Gabe Davis. Yeah. So, yeah, as Jacob mentioned, I was really interested to see if they would continue using him as a more short area guy. But no, he went back to the old Gabe Davis. And the Bengals I mentioned this on the starter sit episode. The, the commanders of the team that we talk about, they always get beat by the deep ball. The Bengals are, are basically second worst coming into this game. Teams throw deep on the Bengals. They, they came into this game with the most air yards per pass attempt against in the NFL. I think they were giving up the second most completions of 20 or more air yards. Well, I thought this was an interesting matchup because Josh Allen has really struggled there since hurting his shoulder. And in this game, he was 0 for 4 on pass attempts of 20 or more air yards. And uh, in his last four games, he's three for 20 for 86 yards on those pass attempts. Wow. So that's why I have like, almost no faith in Gabe Davis unless he's doing what he did last week. And he didn't do what he did last week.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it. That was one of the better Azure stats we've gotten Thank in a you. long time. Thank you. So <laughs> well done there. But I think the disappointment.
0: Now, <laughs> it's, like, it's just a, a stab,
1: people. Not that big of a deal. All right. Thank you. Thanks. I like that. Um, uh, Yeah. Look, the the frustration begins with Gabe Davis. It's what Jacob said. We saw him line up tight splits last couple of weeks around the line of scrimmage around the tight end. And that's going to lead to easier targets. We didn't see a lot of that in this game. And I think ultimately when I looked at this game, I had a misread of this game because I thought it'd be more of a shootout. And then I looked back at some things and I was like, wait a second. Since then, I had a really good game plan against Josh Allen last year in the playoffs. And I believe that they just have a good feel for how to take away what Josh Allen likes to do. And that impacted the whole game. But there is one positive to take out of this, and it's my boy. It's Dalton Kincaid, who was, I believe, 10 <laughs> for boy. 81 in this game. I Your love boy. Dalton.
0: I, I do I'm too. Boy. Yeah. 10 for 81. 11 11 targets. targets. Yeah
1: been calling for him for weeks. They're finally getting him involved. They're finally Now this game was a little bit more of what I had seen in the early Kincaid days, which is like too much of the around line of scrimmage stuff. I still think he can win intermediate and they're not giving him the opportunity just yet, but there were a couple of routes where I saw him isolated one-on-one against a linebacker and he had really good moves to beat that linebacker, really good releases off the line of scrimmage. Um, and so He's somebody who's going to win constantly against whoever they throw at him, in my opinion, in man coverage. There's just not many people who can defend him. And he has a good quarterback, so I really like him rest of season. To me, he's in the top five mix at tight end, at least until Dawson Knox comes back.
2: 98% route participation for Kincaid this week, which is by far the best. It was up from 85% last week.
0: Yeah, he had basically the the biggest play of the game, too. Unfortunately, though, it was a fumble when they were driving, but a great game for him. Top five is is a slam dunk, I think, right now for him. I would say tight end three for me until Knox is back, ahead of Laporta, but right there with Laporta. I mean, they're very similar right now. I'm not missing anybody, am I? Kelsey, Andrews, Kincaid for me until Knox. And then what happens when Knox comes back? I just don't know. Obviously, using different personnel groupings now, but he's playing so well. Can you really go back to, you know... The good old the old days with Knox. We'll have that's a conversation maybe for later when we talk tight ends. Jacob, what do we need to know about what the Bengals did yesterday with T. Higgins with a big game and Jamar Chase with a rare bad game?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't worry about Chase, um, but yeah, for your T. Higgins fantasy manager, that was obviously exciting. They used him in the uh, short intermediate area a little bit more than they had been. Um, I'm I don't have his first read data yet, but I would expect it's the highest data point that he's had all year. So that's really good because it's been a very disappointing season for T Higgins. I think he might be the most disappointing fantasy player out there. Um, And like, I think that maybe part of that had to do with injury. And then I think Burrow's injury early in the year affected things as well. But like going into this game, he was one of the worst PFF graded wide receivers in the entire NFL. Um, So it's really good to get some positive data points on T Higgins. Yeah. He's an easy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go,
0: go, go. Yeah.
1: I was going to say he's an E. I mean, it it might be too late, but it might not be. I think he's a buy target right now. I and mean, you can call it a buy high, but I think there's just so many extenuating factors that led to his slow start. The ones Jacob brought up, the offense not being able to run a full playbook because Burrow wasn't healthy, and then Higgins, his injury himself. I thought he looked, just from the eye test, the healthiest he's looked by far this season. On the one slant that he almost uh, took to the house in the red zone, he had, he had a lot of juice on that. And the fact of the matter is this. They're going going to... Always use extra attention to take away Jamar Chase. This is why T. Higgins was so consistent as a fantasy factor last year for large stretches of the season. And I think we could be reaching that exact you know d- scenario again moving forward uh, outside of some games against the Ravens defense.
0: Okay. Well done, T. Higgins. And Joe Mixon, you're just going to continue to start him. You'll deal with the yards per carry. He uh, faced a struggling run defense and ran 14 times for 37 yards and a touchdown. He did have five catches, but he's this looks like the same guy as he was last year. Sportsline is where to go to get the beyond-the-box score article written by Jacob Gibbs. Plus, fantasy content from Dave, Jamie, and Heath. DFS, best lineups. Uh, gambling, it's all at sportsline.com. If you use the—oh, so we, we always give you the monthly code. What's your—Gibbs, Right. Promo code Gibbs. Promo code Gibbs. G I B B S. One dollar for your first month. But now I'm seeing we got this annual plan, and you can get sixty percent off the annual plan with the promo code Follow. Or if you're looking on YouTube, you can scan the QR code. Promo code is Follow. Sixty percent off the yearly plan for Sportsline. And if you're watching on YouTube, Jonathan Coachman or Coach is just like he's got something up his sleeve. He's just (laughs) he's ready to take us take us all down. News and notes. Uh, Daniel Jones tore his ACL, so he is out for the season. And, you know, I know, I I think I was reading, I love reading Dan's Twitter feed. It populates (laughs) my Twitter feed. It's like all Dan. Um, Yeah, I know a lot of people are thinking he won't be ready for week one based on Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, though, is one of the slowest ACL rehabs and and recoveries I can remember. Most quarterbacks, no matter when they get hurt, are ready by week one, two, three, something like that. I mean, I did the research. This is why I was shocked that Kyler Murray wasn't ready earlier in the season, especially since he only had, I think he only had an ACL tear. I don't even think he had other damage. But I wouldn't count out Daniel Jones for week one, but I also wouldn't count out that Daniel Jones has started his last game for the Giants. So uh, we'll see. From From an immediate Uh, perspective I mean Dan you don't want to roster any Giants pass catchers do you other than Waller in an IR spot
1: no this is going to get really ugly Uh, the Giants don't have any options here they're going to have to probably go with Tommy DeVito the rest of the season Uh, Matt Barkley is on their practice squad we'll probably get elevated to the roster he's not NFL caliber arm talent neither is DeVito Things will get better for for this offense just because they'll have more continuity. But there's no, like, solution. You don't just sign Carson Wentz and be like, hey, here's a playbook. Learn it and try to get on the same page with receivers and learn all the calls. And this is what we talked about earlier on this show or other shows, the mailbag, with why teams can't just trade for Kirk Cousins because it doesn't work like that at the quarterback position. So this is the offense. I think everyone gets downgraded. I still think you play Barkley, but I think Barkley is more of a back-end RB2 who just volumes his way toward, like, eight to 12 points a week and maybe an occasional touchdown if they get lucky. Um, but yeah, all the receivers are done. Darren Waller, maybe in your IR spot, but that could be someone you don't count on either rest of season.
0: All right. Other big news, Dallas Goddard's going to miss some time. He might go on IR. He has a fractured forearm, I believe. Yep. And, uh, they have a buy this week, but if he goes on IR, the buy doesn't matter. It's four games, not four weeks, their next four games. I mean, look at this schedule. They're not going to have, is this really their schedule? do I have this right? I just need to make sure because I basically put every good team in football on their schedule. <laughs> I have to make sure that there's no tight Who is it? I'll, I'll tell you if it's Kansas right. Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas. That's yes. their next four games. It's
2: That's rough. That's
0: amazing. Oh, I love it. It's great. I think it's good news for Devontae Smith. You know, I mean,
2: yep, last Goddard year
0: was such a target hog. But th- yeah, this is exactly when Devontae Smith turned his season around. Difference is A.J. Brown is... Sucking up all the targets like he was not last year, but true. Um, all right, KJ Osborne left in the second quarter, Christian Watson injury, Josh Downs, Cam Akers may have torn his Achilles. Still waiting on that one here, but um, do you guys consider Alexander's uh, if 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 uh, Akers is out for the year, do you consider Madison a must start running back?
1: No, um, in the state of running back as it currently stands, I would I would say yes, just because and I didn't think I would say this last week, but. I have faith in Josh Dobbs to operate an offense and move chains by escaping pockets and running for first downs and keeping drives alive. So I, I I'll say yes, just based on the state of the running back market and how much volume he's going to get.
2: Josh Dobbs second among all players and avoided tackles in week nine. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> the one he avoided in the red zone was one of the
1: best avoids I've seen by a quarterback mm-hmm. almost ever.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Dobbs, I do think we have to really look into his deep ball issues, though, because I mentioned oh, yeah. this. I think he's I, not a good you know, thrower of the football. That's for especially sure. deep. It's so bad. Um, no, I think he was like 0 for better. 10 on air on past attempts of 30 or more air yards. So if I'm a Jordan Addison fantasy manager. I'm pretty nervous about that. Yes.
1: And I need to make a quick immediate correction because I said it was one of the best escapes from a pocket ever, but obviously it's not on the same tier of the Eli Manning Super Bowl 2007 escape (laughs) for the David Diary throw. So let's make that clear.
0: Okay. If if anybody who listens to Dan's Giants podcast is listening (laughs) now, he is very sorry. You can keep listening to Big Blue Panther. Uh, There were some other injuries, some other defensive injuries, but the biggest uh, non-skill position injury is Jedrick Wills, the left tackle for the Browns, who was carted off. And that means – if he's out for the year and an air cast is typically a long mm-hmm. injury right uh that means both of their tackles out for the year because they lost their right tackle in week 2 i think and they were pre- and they were under pressure uh, watson was under pressure a lot arizona had the seventh highest pressure rate in the nfl last week or yesterday right. and they're they're usually terrible in that metric okay let's take a break when we come back advanced stats from jacob and a quick italian food tip from me <laughs> to wannabe Italian Dan Schneier. We'll be right back.
1: The chilling
2: new original docu-series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his
0: family? The answer lies across, across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where
1: desire
2: leads to deception.
1: I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out.
2: And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount Plus. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else?
0: You like chicken parm, Dan?
2: Love chicken parm. Jacob, chicken parm. Who doesn't like
1: chicken? Who does? Yeah, that's right? a great question. Who does not like chicken parm? Maybe you guys are already in on this, but last okay. year I,
0: I don't remember what the event was. Like, I don't know, some family event. I got this mm-hmm. meal: chicken parm with vodka sauce.
1: Oh, with vodka sauce, vodka chicken parm. Yes, yeah, Adam, this is unreal. This your first changer. time ever having vodka chicken parm? Second time. I had it last night. I ordered. I, think I ordered only three percent of the country. This is even offered what's like you don't you don't go. You don't go to, like you do you think you're gonna find a vodka chicken parm in florida maybe of florida course. You in other parts of the south in the midwest i don't i know i don't oh my gosh jeez the <laughs> this food, is gonna snob. Kill the
0: food snob is out folks and, oh, yeah. i'm back baby
1: oh here he is jacob you ever had you ever it? had a vodka chicken parm sub adam it's that's, even better
0: that's what i had last night and well for lunch actually jacob and lunch today did you ever have that jacob
1: yeah, I actually made it last week. No way! You? That's weird. Now, Jacob, let me let me ask you as, as a wannabe Italian. Let me let me confirm a couple things as far as your chicken parm skills go. Do you do what you have to do, which is pound the chicken so it's thin thin chicken before you bread it and before you egg and bread it. No, dude, I didn't uh, pound the chicken. You, know, you don't just take it out of the the, the package as a, as a fat chicken breast. got to use one you of know, those man. meat tenderizers and pound that thing in a plastic bag. You it's all right. about it's paper thin. <laughs> the more paper thin you get that chicken, the better it tastes.
2: That's right, right. I'm learning.
1: Easy uh, tip, right?
0: Uncle Slayer says you can have a lobotomy and still make a chicken parm. You can have them almost anywhere. No, I said a vodka yeah, chicken it's parm, vaca, Uncle vaca Slayer. I vaca. said a
1: vodka chicken parm, Uncle Slayer, with homemade vodka sauce. You tell me your Italian restaurant you're getting that from in Mississippi.
0: Oh, dude, stop. What is with you? All right. I'm very sorry to all of our non-Northeastern friends here who
1: don't <laughs> know have what any they're getting good food apparently. You All know right. what they're getting in at this point. Yeah, I guess so. They're not finding good Italian food in a lot of places, let's be honest. <sighs> Jeez, snap share. You're not finding great barbecue up here. There's other things you can't find up here, you know? You can find anything in New York City, though. No, anything I know. That was, just, that was just a lie to make them feel better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, snap share stuff. Uh, Jerome Ford played 64% of the snaps. Kareem Hunt played 29%. Ford ran 20, 20 routes compared to six for Kareem Hunt. Uh, Zach Charbonnet played more snaps than Ken Walker for the second straight game, and it wasn't just garbage time, so this one is a little alarming right now. Uh, and he didn't do anything with them, by the way. And <laughs> either guy did. Uh, they they Why really not? got whooped up front, just completely yep. outclassed by the Ravens. Uh, but Jacob, what, this is your uh, your area here. So we're looking at snap counts, advanced stats. Tell us what you've been, looking, what you've been noticing.
2: Yeah, so I had two uh, topics that I wanted to talk about, and then I was going to run through some quick um, stats, and you could pick apart anything you want there. But the two topics... I wanted to talk about. You actually just mentioned each of them. <laughs> um, the first was Jerome Ford. Uh, the usage was much better for him this week. And I think really he's shaping up as like clearly their lead guy. Um, we saw him be the clearly guy down the stretch in week eight um, when the game was close. They really didn't use him early in the game, um, but they did lean on him late in the game in week eight, which I thought was interesting since, you know, he was, rumored to have a high ankle sprain. And so he immediately played and then they kind of like reserved him for when they needed him. And then this week, uh, 60% of the snaps inside the red zone, 50, 50 from inside the 10 with him and hunt. And then outside the red zone, he's clearly the guy, uh, Pierre strong basically went away, barely played in this spot. The other guy I wanted to mention for the Browns is Amari Cooper. He's the only player in the NFL with a hundred air yards in every game this season. Whoa. And Yeah. target per route run rate on the year, which is honestly amazing considering his average depth of target is 15.6 yards um, to be targeted at such a high rate on such a deep route tree is really wild. Also wild is his 2.26 yard per route run rate, uh, given the quarterback play that he's had to contend with in Cleveland. Um, so you guys both watched Cleveland. I wouldn't never. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I wanted to throw it to you. What do you like? The quarterback play has been terrible, obviously, but do we think it's going to get any better?
0: Yeah, I'll let Dan answer that. Let me just give a few statistics here. Deshaun sure. Watson, I'm gonna. I'm not going to count the game where he threw, I think, five passes and re-injured himself. Uh, but Amari Cooper has 89 or more yards in three of four games with Deshaun Watson. So he seems like a an easy start. Uh, I think the first game of the year was the only bad one. And Watson came into that game banged up. He's been he's been hurt, right? So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I have some notes on what I saw there. But I I watched this game because if you look at Deshaun Watson, look at his fantasy points in four starts. Four starts and finishes. Well, he didn't finish yesterday, but you know what I mean. Four games where he actually played, right? 22.7, 13.6, yep. 25.2, 23.0. And that's, that's a must-start guy if I bought it. So I had to see, was he good? How was he throwing the football? And I thought he was horrible. Dan, what did you think?
1: Yeah, it was not good tape. It was, it was ugly tape. Um, this is what happens when you know, I feel like partially this is an issue of not a lot of time practicing not a lot of time getting the rapport down with all these players. It seems like he's got it down with Cooper. Like you said, they've had a good thing going, but outside of that, I don't see it with Eli Moore. Like I expected it to see it with, with Watson and Moore, David Joku and every, anywhere, not including the red zone. So I just think that right now this passing game is all from a timing standpoint, from a rhythm standpoint, the injury to Jedrick wills, like you said, is going to make things a lot worse. There I now have issues with protection, especially on the ends at any point in my opinion, he could take a wrong hit to that shoulder and lose his velocity again, which I didn't think quite frankly. I don't know how you felt about this, Adam. I didn't feel like it was quite good in this game to no. begin with, and it's tough to throw like here's the other thing. I've known this for a while. It's really tough to throw in Cleveland, and that's the thing. You look at all these quarterbacks. take a look at some Cleveland games in, in November and December over the last few years and some of the, the quarterback stats from those games from any quarterback and there. It, it's ugly, but. It's not like Deshaun Watson right now, in my opinion, has the arm talent to cut through that nasty weather and wind there. So we're relying on timing and we're relying on ball placement and we're relying on rhythm in the passing game, and that's just not there right now. So it's tough for me to buy into this turning around anytime soon.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, if you go back to week four or five and Derek Carr and the way he looked that one game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe, and he didn't look like a professional quarterback. He, I don't, really don't think he should have been out there. But – he got over that injury pretty quickly. So if Watson has now gone from I can't play to I think I'm going to play to, okay, I'm playing this week. And I also felt like he got better as the game went on. He threw a, about 15, 20-yard pass to Amari Cooper, um, I think late in the third quarter. That was probably his best yep. throw of the game. And then he probably one-upped it with a deep ball shot to Amari Cooper near the end zone that was fantastic followed up by a Kareem Hunt touchdown run but early in the game he was terrible his, his deep ball like he threw a deep ball to Amari Cooper in the first or the second quarter and it traveled about 45 air yards and it looked like he threw that ball as far as he could almost like he put everything he had into it so i think they could be i think they could be really good and he could be dangerous if he gets his arm strength back i just don't know when that's happening it was not in this game um, that's so I don't really have it. I can't tell the future, but I can tell you that he was definitely not a hundred percent in this game no. and he, and Jacob, you had a stat. I mean, he was really inaccurate on short stuff too, and there were just some really ugly
2: throws. Yeah. 17% off target rate on throws that were 10 or fewer air yards. Um, the league average is 7%. Right. Uh, Watson, was 17
0: Right, so next week at Baltimore, no chance,
2: <laughs> yep. no chance.
0: If he does well, if he shows his arm is back, then maybe I think about starting him against Pittsburgh at Denver at the Rams. It's not too bad, but next week at Baltimore, he's a sit for me. Right. Uh, what else? We got? anything else, Jacob?
2: Uh, the other big topic I wanted to talk about was Seattle's offense. I didn't. There's not a whole lot to point to statistically that I found interesting, um, other than again Charbonnet. Uh, we already hit on the Charbonnet out snapping, Kenneth Walker running more routes than Kenneth Walker. Um, Charbonnet didn't do anything with his opportunities, really. It was a brutal matchup, and the offense just got dominated up front. Um, it's more so a negative note for Walker. Um, but you guys watched Seattle a little bit. What did you think?
0: I, I don't know. I, I, just think they were, I just think they had a really bad game. I, I can't. Like Last week, when Walker didn't have a ton of work, it was easy to chalk it up to the injury. I don't know what the deal was this week. I think he's definitely coming off the field. Ken Walker's definitely coming off the field in the two-minute drill, even the four-minute drill. That's going to be Charbonnet or maybe even Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, but can they just keep – are they just going to keep giving him the ball? Uh, you know, I, I just don't have the answer. I just want to check their schedule because if they keep if they fall behind big like this, then, no, it's going to be bad for him. Next week they get Washington. So Washington, then the Rams. I mean, I feel like that should be more favorable. I, I'm confused. I, I can't – I, well, don't I, I, I don't know. I don't think he's losing his job as Charbonnet, but I do think the split is going to be a little bit more even. Um, and you might get a lot of like, 13, 14 carry, two-catch games from Walker, and if he doesn't score, he could be pretty disappointed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's without a doubt. I think I didn't actually get a chance to watch this one, Jacob, but from what I've been reading, there has been some real regression when it comes to Geno Smith oh, yeah. from a touchdown rate, from... A bunch of different statistics and those who have watched the tape said he doesn't look like the same player that he did last year Uh it is surprising to me just because I feel like he was so good on tape last year just crazy good like if you go back he was the one of the four or five quarterbacks pushing the ball downfield into tight windows vertically and I'm just not seeing that a lot this year yet um I would love to go back after this and watch the tape of this game. I just feel like it's going to look a lot like that Lions game we broke down versus the Ravens a few weeks ago where you know the game was like 28 to nothing early and the game script was horrible and they were in pass only mode and that kind of kills your whole offense but this is now multiple weeks I think with Geno Smith struggling and with the passing game not as it was last season it's the so whole it's season. definitely alarming to me.
0: It's the whole season yep. and you know what it's going to be interesting because this week he gets Washington And they're basically a tonic for quarterbacks. But I don't really have that much faith in him. And I mentioned this on yesterday's show. DK Metcalf got shut down by a great cornerback, Marlon Humphrey. And he just always gets shut down by great cornerbacks, basically. So he might bounce back against Washington. But the DK-Gino connection is off. The interceptions are way up. That was what was down last year for Geno. And then they started creeping up at the end of the year and he's just throwing too many bad interceptions, and they only had the ball for 19 minutes and 56 seconds, mm-hmm. which is like a trademark of the Seahawks last year and, then, and getting back to it this year. And you cannot Your running back is almost not, never going to have a good game if they have the ball for 20 minutes. It's, it's hard. I see that all yeah. the time. I talked about that with Ramondre Stevenson, and he did have a good game because he had a long run, but the Patriots never have the ball. The Seahawks right now are having similar issues, I think.
2: One thing I'd bring up on Gino, I noticed this yesterday. I was digging into Patrick Mahomes' stats. Actually, I think Mahomes um, is one of the more sensitive quarterbacks to all the too-high safety stuff. You talked about how the Bengals really know how to bother Josh Allen. I think the Bengals really know how to bother Mahomes as well, Mm -hmm. and we've seen a lot of defenses adjust in that way. And he's holding the ball longer, Mahomes is, and taking um, his first read much less often. And when I was looking into first read target rates last year compared to this year, Geno Smith really stood out as well. 57% is Geno Smith's first read target rate. Um, Russell Wilson is the only quarterback who is lower in 2023. Geno was at 69.5% last year, so right around league average. So I I think there's some lack of trust in the offense. I think, um, yeah, he's just not very comfortable out there. And yeah, it's it's pretty tough right now for Seattle. And
1: it could also be that his first reads are just not getting open at the same rate. I think Adam, you had a note about DK Metcalf not winning one on one in this matchup. I haven't studied them in extensively this year, but DK Metcalf's battled injuries all year. He may not be winning the same way he was winning outside. I mean, a big part of any kind of passing offense is do you have an ex receiver who can win outside on the boundary consistently against man coverage? Because that opens up the rest of your offense and it allows and forces the opposing defense to allocate more resources, such as out coverage, rolling a safety over the top Mm. and taking them away from other areas of the field. If that's not happening and he's not winning those one on one routes, then it makes it really difficult, in my opinion, to keep the passing game on schedule.
0: Uh, Just some good news here. Uh, Jedrick Wills left tackle for the Browns. He's going on IR, but he has an MCL sprain and is expected to return this season. That is good news. So that's avoiding worst case scenario there. Anything else, Jacob?
2: Yeah, I'm just going to run through some quick notes. So, Trey McBride, we talked about extensively last week. The role shrunk a little bit this week. Um, obviously, the entire offensive oh. production shrunk. It was pretty insane. That was 58 yards, I think. 58, <laughs> 58 offensive yards on 48 plays for the Cardinals. Oh, so, my God. Obviously, it's tough to produce um, within that framework. But what stood <laughs> out to me was <laughs> his <laughs> his route participation was down to 63% um, after being at 88% last week. I don't know what that is. Maybe it was just because it was such a crap shoot out there that they just were letting him chill. Maybe he got banged up. I don't know. But like he just didn't play as much. And so he's going to need to get that up if he's going to be relevant for fantasy. So that's something to monitor over the upcoming weeks. Keaton Mitchell, I think, is going to be a popular ad this week. He only played 13 offensive snaps, um, nine rush attempts and 13 offensive snaps. He did lead the entire NFL in avoided tackles with eight on nine attempts. So that's obviously, um, fun, but I don't know if, the, if he's somebody who's actually going to play, do you think he just played his way into the role? You watched him, right, Dan? Say that again. You have to repeat that. I, I got a, something for more. I'm sorry. Apologize. Do, do you think Keith Mitchell just played yes. his way into a bigger okay. role? I feel like they trust Gus, you know, like, I feel like they trust the guys that they have. Um, okay. Yeah, so he, he only played in garbage time.
1: No, Keaton Mitchell. Yeah. No,
2: not no, 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 no. He didn't only play in Justice
1: gar- garbage. Justice Hill he,
0: only played in garbage, but mostly played in garbage. Time. Ke Keaton Mitchell played before that.
1: Okay, yeah, he had a very early in the second quarter that I that I charted. He had a few a few, but but here's the thing, and I did a full evaluation of Keaton Mitchell on film, and I got to be honest, guys, I was incredibly impressed with what yeah, I saw on fast. tape from Keaton Mitchell. <laughs> it's not just it's he is fast, but it's not just the speed which I was impressed with. It's the body control and the body positioning. So. He had a one run early in the game, um, where he just maintained so much balance through contact and he just shows the ability. This an inside zone play. Um, and I put this on Twitter. If anybody wants to see the clip of it, we can't put it up here. But he gets skinny through a crease even after the left tackle blows his block immediately. And I've seen so many people run that ins- run inside zone and not be able to process where these creases are going to be. And I feel like he was really good at processing that. They use draw, they use counter, they use power gap for him, and it reminded me a lot of a Beyond the Box Square episode we did last season at the end of the year, Adam, I don't know if you remember this or Jacob where we broke down JK Dobbins. And I was talking about how I liked how the Ravens were doing a lot of things to get him in space with power gap concepts and counter. And it seems like that's the idea here. It's similar to what the dolphins do with Devin H but it's not exactly the same because they're not using him in, at least not yet in motion from, you know, outside as a receiver, things like that. But they are doing a lot of power gap concepts to get him into space. And there's another run later in the game, his 60-yard run. Just a great example of an individual play making that happen. So on that play, Keaton Mitchell, they're just running a toss outright. The 22 is the defender there, and he plays it perfectly for Seattle, which is to force contain back to the inside. He takes away the outside, force the contain. Mitchell makes the jump cut, gets through, 22 plays it perfectly, gets his arms on the tackle, and Mitchell just has the contact balance to shake that off and then shows creativity later in the run. And then obviously the touchdown run was incredibly impressive. Like I said, it's just a great job of finding a crease there where it might have not been. So I wonder if it is a lot of us, if the situation will evolve, and you guys can probably comment on this as well, because obviously they have so much trust in a player like like, uh, Gus Edwards. But I wonder if the situation does evolve to the point where they look at this like, It's out the bag now. We can't put this back. You know, we can't put the cat back on this because he adds a different speed element to our offense. He adds a different playmaking element to offense. And he's making correct reads right now and finding creases and processing a lot better than he was, quote unquote, given credit for. And this was a good example because you saw this just like with Devin HN. He's billed as this only speed guy. And then you watch him. You're like, wow, his contact balance is pretty good. Wow. He makes pretty good reads between the tackles. He processes pretty well. And I think that could be the same case with Keaton Mitchell. It's not the same kind of offense, so I don't want to say this is going to be the next Devin HN. But I think they're not going to be able to just put him back on the bench and let him you know, sit there because he just adds so much more, in my opinion, than both Hill and Edwards. Hmm. Yeah.
0: I appreciate that you're getting HN's last name right. I'm but trying. Do do have to work on Devon HN.
1: Oh, it's Devon. It's yeah. considered Devon. Yeah, I yeah. don't know about considered,
0: that. Considered. I mean, it yeah. is Devon. I would know say it's considered. <laughs> like Your your last name is considered Schneier, you know, but let's cool. um, go. <laughs> uh, Mitchell, Heath said he's a must-add player. I kind of pushed back on that because there's a split, because Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards are much more likely to get goal line work than Keaton Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But, yeah, I do think, I mean – if you were excited about Jaleel McLaughlin, that didn't end up working out when Javante now Javante's back. But I, I but Achan did. So yes, I see all the same things. Like this guy's got uh, some burst and some potential. And it will be somewhere and, in between you, you that, you should that, right? Probably like we A- pick A- him up.
1: The HM situation, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Adam, but like the, the reason why we should assume it should be somewhere in between there, and I'm sure you agree with this, is that HM was immediately getting red zone touches, which we don't know or think if Mitchell will get. And HM was also getting those touches I talked about where they were designing him in motion. So I don't think it's that, but I also don't think it's McLaughlin because – this is a much better offense than the Denver Broncos offense, the, the Baltimore Ravens offense. And things are so open now in this offense because of how they are pass first under Todd Munkin and running a lot of 11 personnel. So I just think the situation is more similar to the Dolphins, just not quite there.
0: Okay. Hmm. Um, I just want to say one, few more. One, th- yeah, one thing about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, because I, I think, you know, he's having a really good year, but from a fantasy standpoint, he's not. Uh, right. He's number six per game in four point number nine per game in six point per to passing touchdown leagues. And he's being, he's a victim right now of Gus Edwards and Keaton Mitchell and all these rushing touchdowns. The Ravens have six running back rushing touchdowns in their last two games. Jackson has struggled in both of those games from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, th- and what, you know, I, I don't really know what to make of that other than I would say he's throwing the ball really well. He's, he's t- in total control uh, and there will be more touchdowns for him, but Lamar Jackson is one of five quarterbacks that does not have a touchdown pass of 20 or more yards. Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Desmond Ritter, and Bryce Young. So you're getting no explosive passing plays. And, and then you've got this Gus Edwards problem.
1: So it's, it's like... And it's shocking, too, because a lot of the, like what Lamar was great at under Greg Roman was those explosive pass plays, yeah, right? Yeah, well, that's
0: what they were using Marquise Brown for. They don't have that guy right. now.
1: They should though with Zay Flowers, man. Zay it's Flowers was so explosive on tape in college. And even Beckham, I've seen win on a lot of his one on one routes too. I almost wonder if this is more of an issue of <laughs> when you have the Greg Roman offense and it's all run first, you can run play action. There's a lot of space in the middle of the field. When you have a pass first offense, there's two high safety I would not all. call this a pass first offense, though.
0: I think okay. they have the I think they have the lowest pass rate in the NFL.
1: Well, then it's definitely not a pass yeah. first off, But <laughs> Pass seems, first personnel, I should say. Pass first personnel. It seems for sure.
0: different. It seems different, but they still really don't throw much.
1: But, but pass I, I first personnel that will still lead it, to a very different, uh, you know, counter by the defense. They're not going to use base personnel. They're going to use nickel and dime and sub packages. And I wonder, and I haven't watched enough Ravens, but I wonder if that's taking away the big play. I'd have to see what the Jacob. Maybe you could find this, or I could. I, I know where I can find this. What the usage of opponents versus the Ravens is from a how much are they using cover one, how much are they using cover six, how much, are they using cover, like how much are they using two safeties back there or middle of the field closed one. But I know against, you know, when Greg Roman was there, there was a lot of middle of the field closed looks and with a lot of space for, for deep shots.
0: All right, guys, Jacob, why don't we finish up with your stats here? Cause we haven't gotten to our, one of our topics was Keaton Mitchell. So we did cover that, but um, we have three more big topics to get to. So uh, wrap it up with the stats.
2: Okay, I just looked up real quick. Lamar Jackson's off-target rate on deep throws is right in line with the league average, which is actually a huge improvement for him um, mm. from last year when he was clearly the worst on deep throws. Um, and yeah, Zay Flowers super disappointing game yesterday. He ran a team high thirty-one routes on thirty-seven dropbacks and only drew one target. It
0: was dude. Um, it was Beckham's birthday. <laughs> uh, it
2: was, yeah, it was that sort of way. Well, it honestly was. So yeah, that's the that birthday. To we gotta look for these narratives, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where I don't see that on True Media, Jacob. Yeah, I don't. I mean. Last week was Tank Dell's birthday, and everybody got excited about that. And then, yeah, <laughs> oh, that.
1: push back on the birthday night. <laughs> oh, All right.
2: What else? All right. Else? Let's, let's run through a few quick ones here. The Bears' backfield, we saw Deontay Foreman return to dominating the work. 59% snap rate, only 28% for Roshan Johnson. 20 rush attempts to just two for Roshan Johnson. Game script, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but honestly, I just was a little bit shocked to see Roshan with such low involvement. 75% snap rate for Jonathan Taylor, only 19% for Zach Moss. Uh, 75% route participation as well for JT. Five targets, caught them all, scored a receiving yeah. touchdown. That's super exciting. 51% snap rate for Raheem Mostert. Uh, Salvin Ahmed ran more routes, and Mostert's uh, snap rate has been below 55% in three straight games. Whoa. Just wanted to bring this up because I think uh, I think DeLon HN is going to have a really big role when he gets back.
0: Yeah, Mike, he, looked it,
2: he looked good running and cutting last week. If Who's they that? feel like Who he does. can
0: handle it, that's my only thing. Like, I don't think he's gonna have that much bigger. I I think I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna set the over under at eleven and a half carries per game
1: for HN. I'm looking yeah. this up right now. I'm looking up. I just want to make sure that what I think is true about Devin HN. Uh, no, okay. Adam might be, might, might be on to something. I thought he had more touches than he did at the collegiate level. I thought he was more of a workhorse than he actually was. I, is, that,
0: is that Devon's brother? Because I don't, I don't know who Devon H, H. Like is. Oh, I keep
1: calling him Devon HN. Yeah. yeah, nope, nope. I'll get Devon at some point, someone's, but at least I've hit the H. Someone's complimented your hoodie, Dan. Oh, yeah. This is a uh, Grand Canyon hoodie. <laughs> There we go. Okay. Appreciate that. You know, it's good to hear a compliment about my wardrobe because all I get is negativity from Adam and Jamie when it comes on the mailbag show. When it comes to my wardrobe, oh that hoodie's too big on you. You know, this is a nice looking hoodie. Thank you, Captain Spock. I appreciate that. I need all the compliments I can get on a dark day like today. The the Giants are two and seven. Their team is collapsing in front of itself, just like 2021, just like 2017. (laughs) It's impossible to watch this team. It's impossible to root for this team. So thank you. At least I can go to sleep tonight knowing I wore a nice hoodie and people liked it.
0: Also, this uh, Uncle Slayer says Grand Canyon has the best (laughs) chicken bar. (laughs)
2: All right, Jacob, I'm sorry to keep cutting you off. Go ahead. Two more quick ones. Jahan Dotson, targets over the past three games, 8, 10, and 8. That's mostly been a product of Washington producing a ton of play volume overall, but still encouraging to see him get going. I thought he might move to the slot a little bit more Without Curtis Samuel, but that wasn't the case. Um, he only had a 31% slot rate. He's continuing to be used down the field. So I think it's going to be uh, inconsistent, but at least we're seeing something from Dotson. So that's great. And the last one is Mike Kosicki. I brought him up last week as somebody who might emerge for the Patriots. He led the Patriots in routes run this week. He drew one target, it was 28 yards downfield. So I don't know if there's actually going to be any fantasy viability with Gasicki, but leading the team in routes run is interesting. Um, I think they are pretty desperate for a downfield threat. Uh, I like Pop Douglas as much as the next guy, but that's not his game. He's a short yardage guy. So, um, just an interesting name to keep in mind if you do need tight end help.
0: Tight end help. That's our first topic. When we come back, we'll talk about the depth of the tight end position. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today.
2: You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7.
0: So we only have four big topics today, and one of them is about Keaton Mitchell, and we already talked about him. So you can check the time code for the uh, uh, probably the advanced stats section. Uh, I don't know, whatever it might be, but you'll find it if, if you're skipping around. Uh, but uh, the first topic comes from Ed, and he says, The tight end landscape may be changing. At this time this season, there are actually some borderline startable guys emerging. Even moving forward, there is some promising young talent at the position, making for a deeper position next season and beyond. Do you guys agree or disagree with this take about tight ends?
1: I completely agree with this take about tight ends, and I'll say this. you know, A year ago, I said this was the most exciting and fun tight end draft class I've ever seen studying this game. I was huge on a lot of these players, and we're seeing immediate impacts from some of them Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta. Mm-hmm. I even would put Luke Musgrave in that mix, even though his quarterback play is as bad as it gets. I do think Jordan Love might be the worst quarterback in the NFL this year, just when you consider how many clean pockets he's thrown from versus some of the other worst quarterbacks in the NFL and how they are on the bottom of the list of clean pockets. I saw Crazy Sad on that this week. But he's still a great talent, Luke Musgrave. And I think we're looking at probably the best tight. It might be the best tight end class in the last decade, as far as immediate impact goes and then long-term success. So those guys will pace the way and those guys will obviously be leaders at the position, I think moving forward. So yes, I think we are in that at that point. I'm curious to get what your guys' take is on this.
2: I don't know how much Kate Auden was super viable this week, uh, played every snap and soaked up a lot of targets and he's another interesting young guy. Um, yeah, I, I love this class.
0: Yeah, I do too. I I think that, I'll just say this, first of all, good stat to back up Ed's case. Right now, there are 14 tight ends averaging 10 PPR fa- fantasy points per game or better. Last year, there were nine. So 14 mm-hmm. this year, right. right now. Last year, at the end of the season, there were nine. However, last year was just a really bad year for passing games. Quarterbacks were bad. Wide receivers were bad. Tight ends were bad. So
1: the- this year is a pretty bad year for passing games No.
0: I don't I think like it's, it's as bad as last year, but there's how, how many tight ends average 14, uh, average 10 points per game or more over the last five seasons, 10, 12, 13, 13, nine. And this year it's 14. So it's a little okay. bit better than what it's been in the past. Um, I do think that I, I just, I still don't buy it because I've been doing this for 15 years, basically. And, and it's never, it's always the same. Nothing ever changes, and the second you start buying into tight ends, they let you down, and that's going mm-hmm. to keep happening. Well, you don't think Cole Komet had a good stretch last year? Cole Komet had back-to-back games last year with more than 20 fantasy points, and he scored something like seven or fewer points in three of his next four games. You don't think Taysom Hill had a good stretch last year? Taysom Hill had a very good stretch. He had a three-game stretch where he was looking like a guy that you're actually starting. And then were you starting Taysom Hill? Hell no, you were not starting Taysom Hill after that. He let you down. David Njoku. is pretty interesting because he— was really getting going for about five games or so, four or five games in the middle of the season last year. And then he got hurt, and he came back, and he was doing nothing. But it's another game with Deshaun Watson with very few targets. Last, uh, yesterday, he only had six targets. I don't think Deshaun Watson threw the ball that much. Um, but Jake Ferguson, what a great example. Ten targets, seven catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown. Here are his targets in eight games. Seven, four, seven, seven. Okay, that's seven targets in three of the first four games. Certainly sounds like a must-start tight end, right? Okay, his next four games, they combined eight targets. If (laughs) uh, you—I don't think there's anything you can do about this. What I, My advice to you is find a tight end uh, that's either going to get the most targets or be on the best offense. So a guy who could be second in targets on a good offense is very appealing, and that is Jake Ferguson to me. He could be second in targets. He is second in targets right now, I think. David Njoku— That's a key here. In the first three games with Watson, Elijah Moore was getting a ton of targets. Yesterday, Elijah Moore, I think, had two. That's a positive development for David Njoku. If he can be second on the team in targets with a a fairly healthy Deshaun Watson, he could be good. But all of these guys are going to frustrate you. Don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. So let's talk about the ones that I think are no-brainer slam-dunk starts, that we all think are that. It's Kelsey, Andrews, Laporta. For now, it's certainly Kincaid. I would say I would have said Goddard. That's gone now. I would say McBride. I I I actually with Kyler Murray back. Kyler? I think I have I like that confidence. Comp- I gotta see it, and I don't know how long Ertz is out for. He's out for I think two more two more games at least. But I'd say McBride. I don't know if you agree. And is there anyone else? Hawkinson. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes.
2: Hawkinson for sure. Uh, Evan Ingram has really been. Evan great. Ingram was
0: on a bye. Damn it. I forgot about him. Let me, you know what? Let me pull up the tight ends.
2: So Dalton Schultz. Stop talking.
0: Real. I mean, sure. Th-
1: this week, what about hey, what week did eight? You just he was say, terrible in week just, eight. What did, you just, what did you just say before that, Adam? I don't know why. What did I say? There was something that sounded interesting. <laughs> I I'm happy <laughs> listening. Did you hear that, Jacob? <laughs> I heard it. What I, said, I, heard that, I didn't say right? anything. <laughs> I don't think he said what we thought we heard him say, but we'll leave that up to the listeners. And <laughs> if they deem it to be what we thought we heard we, him just say, this could be <laughs> this could be heard- monumental for the podcast, considering <laughs> some of the moments I've had slip ups. And let's see if let's see what happened there. We'll we'll, we'll you go got, back. You to gotta, you gotta
0: send out. me the private chat. Let me know what the heck okay. I just said. All right. Yeah. Sorry. So I should have pulled up the list of tight ends. So Kelsey and this is this is points per game in PPR. Kelsey Andrews. Hawkinson, Laporta, number five is Komet. <laughs> I call That's him amazing. a must. I'll call him a must roster guy. And sure, for now he's a must start. Wait, you think he's you
1: think he's just like
0: immune to having a four yard game? I don't think that. Right. No. I think
1: two weeks ago he had zero targets. Right. No.
0: Yeah. George Kittle is uh, is sixth in points per game. Uh, wait till Debo and Ayuk are back. You're gonna be pissed right. off more often than not. That's gonna be starting next week. With Kittle Ingram, yes, Ingram, you start every week in PPR, but he doesn't have a. I don't think he has a Renzo target. He doesn't have a touchdown this year. Wow. Schultz is yeah, Schultz is toward the top of the list, but of of the next group, but I don't think he's a slam dunk. Of course, every like actually next week the Bengals give up the most fantasy points to tight ends, so hmm. like he might be good, but I think C.J. Stroud might struggle against the Bengals next week. But uh, this is my this is my opinion on tight end. You think these guys are going to be consistent for you? You are wrong. What do you guys think? More,
1: um, yeah, I mean, I think there will be cases, again, where there will be some guys who can break out and be consistent. Kincaid, without Knox, Laporta. But you can't. You have to look at on a case-by-case basis. And I'll say this. My, my, my take about tight ends remains. Don't get fooled into this next draft season. Please don't use your third, fourth, fifth-round picks on guys that get propped up the board at the tight end position.
0: Okay. After so we have a, a note here. <laughs> I'm getting fined for dropping the F bomb.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> you see that? After further review, the ruling that Adam you said see the F bomb I did not mean to. He did say it. That. It's not the first time that's <laughs> happened. All right. Oh, next baby. up. Next up, topic number two is Keaton Mitchell. So topic number three. No. Oh, Bijan.
2: That's the oh, one. Oh yeah.
0: From Miles McDonald and many other concerned fantasy managers. Jacob, I'll I'll let you go first. What to do with Bijan Robinson?
2: I'm stealing an answer from my guy, Pat Fitzmaurice. Uh, I love Pat. you got to follow him if you don't. He's very funny and an incredibly accurate ranker. What are you doing with Bijan moving forward? Same thing I've been doing all year. Starting him and directing a string of expletives at Arthur Smith every week. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what we can do. Like His role is shrinking. They don't use him in the red zone. I just...
1: Yeah. The red zone stuff's absolutely crazy because he had so much success for them early in the season in the red zone as a receiver, a running back, or a decoy. And now they're running end-arounds to Johnu Smith in the red zone. And I think Matt Waldman, who we've had on the podcast a bunch for the Dynasty Show, did a great, great breakdown on Twitter. You guys can find it. Uh, his Twitter is Matt Waldman. Of how just unbelievably you, – you watch the breakdown yourself. You'll, you'll get just as frustrated as I was with Arthur Smith, after, Arthur Smith after watching it. And, you know, Arthur Smith is Arthur Smith. He's going to do his thing. But not having Bijan in every red zone snap, to me, has no logical sense behind it. And I won't come around to the other side of that argument, no matter what Arthur Smith or anyone tells me. And it's frustrating for fantasy owners, I for fantasy managers. I don't exactly know. I can tell you one thing, because I watched all of his rushing attempts, if you guys want to hear about that. I think one of the biggest issues is that we have from last year to this year is, and I haven't looked into the impact of, or the exact reason why maybe you guys have, there's been know about. this run blocking is just nowhere near what it was last year. They were developed. They like, there was a weekly teach tape in the run game last year from the Falcons, interesting concepts in the run game that Arthur Smith was running that made him diverse and unique versus the rest of the NFL. Now we're just seeing a lot of the same type of run concepts, but not working and not getting any push up front and being,
0: yeah. you know, but Dan he's averaging yeah. five yards per carry. Tyler Algier is averaging 3.2 yards per carry. He doesn't even need good run blocking. The guy has not disappointed. It it hasn't been him who's disappointed. It's not like a Tony Pollard situation where he's got this great role. It's just the role. I saw this tweet from Bill Barnwell, and he's making fun of Arthur Smithy says, "There's a reason why the Falcons didn't give Bijan Robinson a touch on on those three goal goal plays, but you wouldn't understand it. Too complicated. Got to be in the room to understand why the John Smith Jet sweep is the right idea. Because <laughs> every time, like when I log on to Twitter, it's either a Dan Schneier tweet about the Giants, which I love. And they, there's a reason because I click on them, you know, so they stay populated, or it's." Fifty fantasy people ripping Arthur Smith, <laughs> yeah. and there's nothing you do. I, I will say that you know what he was being saved by earlier was the receiving stuff, and he's sure. got I think two catches on nine targets in two games with Taylor Heineke. The and they don't look really in sync right now. With the, I looked at those targets, some of them were throwaways, but they they're not really connecting. Sure, so they got to get him in space more. Um, this like if I told you that the Atlanta Falcons are averaging the sixth most plays per game in the NFL. And they lead the NFL in running back carries. You would think Bijan Robinson might be like the number one player in fantasy, but it's not even close. It's, it's so frustrating. If this is my hope, they have Arizona next week. Arizona is terrible against the run. And going into this week, at least, they saw the most running back carries in football. This is an opportunity for him and Algier to have 15 or more carries and for Bijan to have 80 yards and a touchdown and maybe. They go into their bye week after that and they come out of it and they say, We're finally, it's time. We're unleashing Bijan Robinson because Arthur Smith. I hope they freaking lose to the Cardinals. I hope they get blown. I, well, then it wouldn't help Bijan, but I hope they lose. And I hope he's coaching for his job and realizing if I don't get my best players the ball, I'm gone. And that's the only hope I have for Bijan returning first round value.
1: And I just want to clarify one thing earlier when I was talking about how the run concepts and the run blocking wasn't what it was last year. And there were so many good examples of it last year. It's not a knock on Bijan. Bijan has been making the most of what's there, but last year there were so many open opportunities for Tyler Algier who doesn't really have the same kind of level of athleticism burst or anything that Bijan Robinson has. And those opportunities I'm just not seeing when I watch Atlanta Falcons run game this year, I'm just not seeing those open holes, the yards created before contact.
2: Dude. Tyler Algier is averaging zero point three yards before contact per rush. Right. Yeah. Bijan's averaging one one point seven. Yeah, it's compared zero point three. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And last year Algier was at one point three five. Zero point three is unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Algier was a good running back last year, you know. So obviously he, he shouldn't be this bad. All right. This is from Rick. Is it time to sell Tony Pollard for James Conner?
1: Who would you guys <laughs> rather have? Ooh. Interesting question. Tony Pollard, or James Conner. We got into that depth. Uh, Conner comes back. Kyler Murray will be there. They can actually block a little bit in the interior. Um, I still think I'm taking Pollard.
2: Yeah. It depends on what you think the Arizona offense is going to be like. They were pretty functional when Conner was healthy and was operating as the offensive centerpiece. I don't seem to have as much faith in Kyler Murray as everybody else does. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like he's ever been an above average or even average NFL passer. And I worry that the rushing mobility won't be there in the way that it has been in the past. So, like, I don't know. Is that that much better than Josh Dobbs? Oh, I well, don't Dobbs know I didn't
0: throw any. to Pollard. Pollard or to st- Connor.
1: Statistically, you're right about that, Jacob but part of that is because like if you look at the numbers i'm sure like that will back up that statement and i'm not saying that makes it wrong jacob because ultimately it comes down to what you produce but i think a lot of that was because of the offense he played in and it was um, that was among the worst coordinated and designed offenses i've almost ever seen that's true and some of his throws have been just outstanding next level elite level arm talent throws um, I'm trying to remember some of that whole shot he took like down the right sideline, 40 yards down the field to win a game a couple years ago or last year. And it was just been plays. I still think his arm talent is phenomenal. Kyler Murray, it's just a matter of can he find consistency and get into rhythm in the passing game? He wasn't able to with the last system, but I still have some hope like I could never compare him to Josh Dobbs personally. I don't think they're even on the same level from an arm talent standpoint, but maybe you're still right because maybe they both just can't produce and keep the passing game in rhythm that I don't
2: know. That could be the Yeah, case. and I just think Dobbs is way better as a processor from what I've seen. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to these two players, they're really interesting to compare because James Conner has been at the very top of the running backs when it comes to advanced analytics. He's really been incredible this year. He's fourth in avoided tackle rate mm-hmm. among qualified guys. Tony Pollard ranks 44th of Oof. forty of 45. Um, Krimha is the only one who has a lower rate. Explosive rushes, 6.7 for Pollard, um, ranks 43rd. 6.7% of his rushes have gone for 10 or more yards. James Conner is at 14.7. So, like, this is just bizarre a world where these two have flipped. Um, in the past, Conner's not yeah. been some explosive back, but he really has been this year. So, if he comes back and is healthy and the offense is better, I think it's definitely possible that he could up Pollard. Yeah. The situation in Dallas is so much better, though. I think I would take Pollard.
0: I would take Pollard because I think he's safer. There are a lot of unknowns with James Conner, especially Kyler Murray. But the difference between Murray and Dobbs, I think, is Dobbs threw five. Connor had five catches in week one, I think, and then he had something like three the rest of the year with, with, uh, with uh, Dobbs. So Dobbs just wasn't throwing to running backs. Kyler does. And yeah. it's been a very—the like, the lead running back for Arizona in the Kyler Murray era has been a really valuable player. James Connor was the number <laughs> nine running back per game last year. And that was with him leaving two games early, I believe. And in 2021, he was the number nine running back per game. Uh, This year, if you remove the game he left with an injury where he scored 4.6 fantasy points, per game he was number 13 in non-PPR and number 18 in PPR, which, by the way, is better than Tony Pollard. I would say that if you told me Kyler was going to be pretty much what he has always been and Connor was going to stay healthy... I would actually take Connor over Kyler Murray, but too much uncertainty for me, I think. So I'll take, it's, to, I said over Kyler Murray, to, I'm sorry, over Tony Pollard. So I'll take Pollard
2: to play it safe. To the point you made about um, Dobbs not throwing to the running backs as much, 14.5% target per run rate for James Connor would be a career low. That's what he's at this year. Um, but when he's had Kyler on the field last year, it was at 19%. Um, and so if, If my speculation is correct that Kyler might not run as much, then we might see that rate rise even more. Um, And Connor's always been pretty productive on a per-target basis. Um, So that's exciting. I'm excited
0: to get him back. I think he has... uh, Oh, yeah, great. He has Cleveland. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. They just played Cleveland. They just played Cleveland. I'm sorry. He has Atlanta Atlanta this week without Grady Jarrett. Uh, So we'll see how good their run defense is. uh, Atlanta is uh, sixth best against running backs, but again, they only played one game without their starting uh, defensive tackle. And that was against Minnesota who can't really run the ball. Well, that's it for beyond the box score. Get yourself a chicken parm with vodka sauce. If you can't find it, Jacob will mail you some. And uh, thanks everybody. Someone earlier asked if Dan was wearing a a sleeveless hoodie, which he isn't, but I think you probably inspired him to cut the sleeves off of the one he is wearing (laughs) right now. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the waiver. We'll live stream tonight. We'll talk to you tonight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today.